Hello and welcome to the House of Legends, where you can hear world myths and legends told by a professional storyteller. I'm your host, Daniel Allison, and this is episode 57, Bran and Skolan. If you're a long-time listener to House of Legends, thank you for coming back for the final installment in this series. It's been really great to get your messages saying how much you've enjoyed the series. A special shout out to Vivian Keenan, it was really lovely to get your message. And if you're new to House of Legends, welcome, it is wonderful to have you here. This episode is the fifth in our Tales of the Fianna series, uh, which I've recorded to celebrate the launch of my new book, Finn and the Fianna, which will be published in January. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, do go back and take a listen to them before you listen to this one. You can enjoy these stories individually, but you'll enjoy them a lot more if you listen to them in order. So in the previous episodes, we heard of Finn's birth and how he was raised in the woods by two women, Elia Lokra and Bomal, hunter and a druid, who kept his existence a secret, lest his father's enemy, Gaul McMorna, seek to kill him. We followed Finn as he crossed Ireland until he met Finnegas, the poet on the banks of the Boyne, and tasted the salmon of knowledge. We saw him face Gaul at Tara on Samhain, Halloween, the Celtic New Year, and win the captaincy of the Fianna, which had once been his father's. So this tale is the last in our series, and is the first tale in which Finn McCool is the captain of the Fianna. This is Bran and Skolan. Come out, cried Finn. The face of Taig, Myrna's father, appeared over his shining white ramparts. The old druid glared down at Finn, clutching his beard as it caught the wind. What do you want? Justice, said Finn. For my mother, whose own father turned her away when she carried a child inside her. Arrogant whelp! You think that because you have the High King in your thrall and a band of butchers at your command, you can challenge me? I can. I do. Come out and face me, with words or weapons. Tag's mouth twisted into a snarl. He wanted nothing more than to summon druid lightning and blast this brat into dust. But he knew about Finn. The tales had not spread slowly. His grandson had tasted the salmon of wisdom, and defeated the fairy man of she Finnica. Taig was a proud man, but he was a survivor. What can I offer you, if I will not fight you? he asked. Your hull, said Finn. My hull? You... Taig stopped himself. He took a deep breath. It is done, he said, his shoulders sagging in defeat. The fort on the hill of Allen became the home of Finn and the Fianna. Finn sat in the chair where Taig had sat, and the Fianna came from across Ireland and Alba to meet their new captain and swear allegiance. They found Finn to their liking. He was courteous to all, quick to laugh and quick to join in a game or wager. At feats of arms, none could best him, and he hunted well, though he had no hounds. Young men poured in through the gates to take the tests, 
In order to join the Fianna, a man had to run through the forest without bending a blade of grass. He had to recite without error the twelve books of poetry. He would be buried in the earth up to his waist, and there defend himself against the swords of nine opponents, using nothing but a shield and a hazel rod. Most men failed, but a few passed and became Fianna. As for Finn, he woke in the morning and went to sleep, smiling. To be surrounded by men of courage and wit, to hunt each day and feast by night, to fight in the practice yard or watch with his friends, joking and placing bets on the swordsman, this was the best life a man could live. He only wished that he had some hounds. A band of Fian from Ulster arrived at Allen one afternoon. Among them was a man named Ullan. Ullan bathed and dressed before sitting down with his brothers in the feasting hall, and as his eyes roved the hall, they alighted upon a woman at Finn's table. Who is that? he asked his companion. That is Turin, said the man. Finn's aunt. The woman beside her is Myrna, Finn's mother. She was living over the sea, and when she heard that Finn was captain of the Fianna, she returned to Ireland and joined him here. Turin, said Ullin, who had barely heard another word after that one. What a lovely name. Turin, he said again, enjoying its taste on his tongue. Later that night, with mead courage in him, Ullin spoke to Turin. They danced together, and the next day they took a walk in the forest together. Soon, Ullin asked for a private audience with Finn. I wish to marry your aunt, said Ullin, and return to Ulster with her. She loves me as I love her, and I will treat her well. Finn had seen that Ullin and Turin had taken to one another, and agreed to the marriage. Though, he said, since I do not know you well, I will need more than your own assurances that you will treat her well. Ullin had expected this. He offered assurances from Gaul, Quilcha, and Louis. Finn was satisfied, and the couple departed together. Deep within the windy glens of Ulster was Ullin's home. It was no great hall, only a simple house, but Terran didn't mind. Ullin hunted and fished to keep them fed, and Terran was kept busy doing the hundred things that needed done in the home each day. There were no neighbours nearby, but neither Ullin nor Turin minded much. They were content. Winter came. The wind shrieked through the glen and the snow fell quickly and deeply. On a day when the sky was blue and clear, Ullin left for the market, leaving Turin alone in the snow-mantled house. Turin sat by the fire, singing softly to herself as she prepared their supper. There came a knock at the door. Tyrion was surprised. They rarely received visitors. She stood, crossed the room, and opened the door. At first, she could do nothing but stare. Never in her life had she seen a woman as beautiful as the one who stood before her. She had hair like raven feathers, pouting red lips and eyes that sparkled like dew on a spider web at dawn. Her cloak was of a thick fur, taken from some animal unknown to Terran. The air around her seemed to softly sing, calling Terran out of her door, telling her to trust her visitor. 
My name is Ukjalv, said the stranger. Walk with me. So Terran put on her cloak and stepped outside. Through the snow they walked, taking a path that led into the forest. They passed beneath the sleeping trees, the crunch of their steps the only sound, until they came to a holly grove. It is cold, said Terran, hugging herself. Perhaps we should go back. Or we could stay here, said Ukjalf, among the hollies. She drew from within her cloak a wand of holly bark. Are you a druid? asked Terran. Ukjalf smiled. I am a she, she said. A daughter of Danu. We are all druids in our own way. As are you. I am no druid. No. But you have power. Ukjalf stepped closer to Terran. You made Ullin love you as I could not. What greater power can anyone have than to capture the heart of their beloved? The mists in Terran's mind were clearing. I would like to go home now. Ulin will return soon, and he will miss me. Ukjalv's smile became a sneer. I am sure he will, Terran. I am sure he will. The she-woman raised her wand and struck Terran. She screamed her spell, her forked tongue flickering in and out as strange lights shimmered among the holly trees and dark apparitions danced in the air. Terran screamed and cried for Ulan. Ukjav laughed, licking Terran's face. She beat Terran with her wand until Terran fell to the forest floor, writhing and jerking as fur sprouted from her skin. Her nose turned dark and wet. A tail grew from her rear and her cries turned to howls and barks. Come, Terran, said Ukdjav. There is someone I would like you to meet. In another part of Ulster lived a hunter named Fergus. His house lay within a forest, and no visitors ever came to his door, although there had been a time when Ukdjav would visit him. Fergus was happy to be alone. He didn't care for company, although he had cared for Ukdjav so he was shocked to hear a knock on his door, and his heart sang when he saw her, until he saw the creature at her side. What is that thing doing here? he asked. For while Fergus disliked people, he truly hated dogs. This, said Ukjav, is Terran, your new companion. But Fergus, said Ukjav, you are making me unhappy. You know what happens when you make me unhappy. Fergus trembled. Very well. Bring her inside. Ukdalv knelt and stroked Turin. Go inside, my dear, she said. Stay with this man. Run away and I shall know of it. Whimpering, Turin slunk past Fergus and into the house. Do as you wish with her, said Ukdalv to Fergus. Enjoy yourself, but keep her alive. That night, Fergus sat by his fire, watching Turin cower in the corner of the room. I could do anything I want with you, he said. Yet he knew Ukdalv. There was more to this than she had told him. 
much more. So we would leave the filthy creature alone. For now. Morning came. Fergus dressed, took his bow from the wall, and readied himself for the hunt. You won't be eating, he said to Turin, unless you earn your meat. Fergus left the house and set off into the snowy forest, Turin at his side. Mark my words, hound, he whispered. If you scare my prey off, before he could finish his threat, Turin surged forward, racing through the undergrowth. Moments later, Fergus saw a leap upon the back of a fawn and bring it to the ground. It bleated in terror, then was silent. Fergus ran to catch up. Well, he said, panting as he stood over the fawn, its throat ripped out and Terran sat at its side. There's... there's a good girl, I suppose. He hoisted the fawn over his shoulder and went home to enjoy a day by the fire. A few days later, Terran proved her worth to Fergus once more. She did the same thing again and again, and Fergus began to realise that not only was it helpful to have a hunting hound, it was good to have a companion to sit with by the fire. He took to picking out the choicest cuts of meat for Tyrion, and he almost wished that he had a friend so he could boast of her prowess. She loved to have her belly tickled. He loved waking up at night and hearing her breath, knowing he was not alone. Before winter ended, Fergus realised Tyrion was pregnant. He stopped taking her hunting, leaving her by the fire instead. Many an evening he spent mulling over names for pups. Fergus was happy. Finn was not. Word had reached his ears that Tyrion was not at Ullin's house. He sent messengers with an order for Ullin to come to Allen at once. Where is my aunt, Ullin? asked Finn. Terran, she... she disappeared. One day when I was at market, I don't know where she went. And you did not think to tell me? I was afraid. I did not know what you would do. And you call yourself a man of the Fianna. Ullin hung his head. I am angry, Ullin, but I can forgive a mistake. I am giving you one chance to find my aunt. Fail to find her. I'll find her said Ullin. Ullin had a very good idea of what had happened to his wife. He knew well that Ukdjalv had never relinquished her love of him, yet he was frightened of Ukdjalv. Was he more frightened of her than of Finn? No, he realised on his long walk home. Finn would have his head if he did not deliver Terran, while Ukdjalv? He did not know what Ukdjalv would do with him. He never had. That was the attraction. Yet whatever she did, she would keep him alive. Ullin did not go home. Instead, he turns east at the Ulster border, taking the road to the mountains of Morn. Into the forested foothills he went. He found the trail he had once known so well, and followed it all the way to the wind-blasted peaks. Pulling his cloak tight about him, shivering in the icy mountain cold, he reached the doorway into the mountain. Ullin spoke the words he had sworn he would never speak again. The door opened. 
Ukdjav smiled at him. The lost lamb returns, she said. I have come for Turin, said Ulan. You have come for me. If she is alive, please give her to me, or Finn McCool will have my head. And what will you give me, Ulan? Whatever you want. Very well. Go inside, my dear. With a last look around him, at a world he might never see again, Ullin passed the threshold into Ugdjalf's hall. Ugdjalf watched him walk down the hallway before stepping out onto the mountainside and sealing the door behind her. Soon after that, she arrived at Fergus's house. Fergus called for her to enter, and she found him sat in his chair, two pups in his lap, while Tyrion lay stretched out before the fire. I am taking the hound back. But Ugdelv laughed. Do not tell me that Fergus has become a lover of hounds. Well, I've, I've got used to her and... Fergus's pleading did him no good. Ukdelv drew her wand and struck Tyrion with it. Tyrion gave an unearthly howl. Fergus clutched the wriggling, yelping pups as their mother rolled on the floor, jerking and foaming her eyes red and raw with pain. The fur fell from her, her tail receded into her, and a few moments later she lay naked upon the floor, a woman again. Fergus found a skin to cover her with. My children, she said in a hoarse voice when she could finally speak, turn my children too. No, said Ukdjav. I think I would rather leave them as they are. Laughing to herself, she left. Tyrion left Fergus's house a few days later. He had asked her to stay. She refused with all the kindness she could muster. With her pups at her side, she made her way south. There was only one place she could think to go. It was a long road, but in those days travellers could expect a warm welcome wherever they went. The days were cold, but each night saw her curled up at a fireside, her pups nestled in her arms. At last, she stood before Finn in the hall of his fort, weeping as she told him her story. Stay here as long as you wish, said Finn. Whatever you would have of me, you need only ask. There is something. Yes? Take the pups. I cannot keep them. Finn eyed the pups, which were playing beneath the tables. Are you sure? Yes. I love them, but I understand. Tyrion left soon afterwards, returning to her father's hall. Finn did indeed keep the pups. He named the female Bran and the male Skolan. Finn loved few people in his life more than he loved those hounds. As for Ullin, he is probably still in Ukdjalf's hall, her lover and her prisoner.
So that's the end of the story, as well as being the end of the series and the end of the year. It's been an incredible year for House of Legends. We experienced lots of growth with lots of new listeners coming on board, and we are lucky enough to feature some of the world's finest storytellers, people like Angharad Wynn and Kamini Ramachandran and Sharon Blackie and others. I launched my first collection of stories, Scottish Myths and Legends. I've been absolutely blown away by its success, and I relaunched The Bone Flute as The Shattering Sea, which is now starting to really gain momentum with lots of new fans getting into the story and looking forward to the next book, The Spay Queen, which will be out next year. I've also been privileged to coach some incredible storytellers this year, some of whom you might be hearing on this podcast in the near future. Next year, the plan is to carry on with more of the same, the finest stories and the finest storytellers in the world. As well as that, the emphasis is going to be on quality production. I've got some new software, which I'm going to use to tidy up the audio on the earlier episodes, so I can get them a bit louder and a bit cleaner sounding, and generally just do whatever's needed to make House of Legends finest storytelling podcast available. So that's all for now. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do support it by sharing it on social media and forwarding it to your friends. If you'd like to tell stories yourself, you can join my coaching groups or you can sign up for news about The Roundhouse, my online storytelling school, which will be launching on the 2nd of January. Go to houseoflegends.me, click on The Roundhouse to get news about that. You can follow me on Instagram at House of Legends Podcast, where I often do live storytelling and readings. And you can find my books by searching for Daniel Allison on Amazon. If you're looking something to read while you wait for Finn and the Fianna to come out, my novel The Shattering Sea is now available as a free download from both Amazon and Kobo. If you do read it and you enjoy it, please do review it. You'll find links for all of the above in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Have a great new year. And I'm looking forward to sharing lots of wonderful stories with you in the new year. See you next time.